Radio. Ian Collins. Weekday afternoons from one on Talk Radio. 03444991000 is where you'll find us. Uh, so it's day six of rioting in the US and of course protests in the UK too. Confused? Well you should be. There's so many different themes and tangents floating around here. Uh, hard to remember, of course, and we should remember that this was meant to be about the death of a man in police custody. But looting, theft, attacks on cops has dominated. One local says this whole thing, the riots, is orchestrated and dangerous. There are people down here who are encouraging 14-year-old kids. These babies are 14 years old, man, and they're encouraging them to throw bottles at these cops. And these grown people are encouraging our babies to fight. This is not their fight, and I will give a how mad or angry you are with what is happening with the police. But these 15-year-old kids have nothing to do with this, man. Now, interesting, as he was saying that, on the other side of town, one senior police officer decided he was switching sides. This is Sheriff Chris Swanson. He was downing tools and going on a march. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you, we want to be with you all for real. So I took my helmet off and laid the batons down. I want to make this a parade, not a protest. You got little ones here, you got dogs. So listen, I'm just telling you, these cops love you. That cop over there hugs people. So you tell us what you need to do. It's a baton, by the way, not a baton, just for reference. Uh, these might be feel-good moments, of course, but elsewhere things really did turn nasty, and that sadly continues. Details on the way here in the UK. Many gathered this weekend in the capital to try and replicate some outrage. Inevitably, it descended into an anti-police protest. Deeply unpleasant stuff. Who do you serve and F the police? Just what does Black Lives Matter really mean in a UK context? Oh, and by the way, as a way, I suppose, of introducing a little bit of light relief. Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one now. Yeah. Yeah, Ricky, our producer, is going, what, what the heck is that? I don't even know what it is. Uh, more on that later, maybe. All you need to know, all the breaking news right here on Talk Radio, 0344-499-1000. Ian Collins, weekday afternoons from 1 on Talk Radio. Uh, we'll do some more of your comments as well in a few moments' time from social media. There is a lot of them. And again, it sort of divides things up here between, you know, when you think of Antifa and what that means, you know, it's not really an organisation, it's a movement. So if Trump wanted to ban it, I'm not sure how he would do that because there'd be no address he could go to. Uh, does that mean anyone who's against fascism? That would be curious if he tried to ban that. I can't imagine so. Uh, thank you to Craig Barnes. This is what I meant earlier when I called the show. Follow this guy, ex-military and secret service, who knows his stuff. Um, Jack Pozobiek, who says the Antifa manual spe specifically instructs members to target Black Lives Matter and immigrants' rights groups for infiltration. This is not random. It's in their doctrine. True, but their doctrine, you wouldn't find who wrote it, would you? There's the problem. It's kind of an umbrella thing. And they would send that. They just you just sits there on the internet. This is what we do, and this, if you're part of this organisation, this is what you should be doing. 
Uh, this, of course, should, and I mentioned this at the beginning, we should keep in mind this is about the death of George Floyd, a black man who died last Monday after he was pinned down by a white Minnesota police officer. It sparked outrage and protests in Minneapolis, across the US and around the world. The National Guard has now been deployed to 17 states to assist local police as over 4,000 people have now been arrested in connection to the demonstrations. In the wake of Floyd's death, murder and manslaughter charges have been filed against Derek Chauvin, the officer who held his knee on Floyd's neck for nearly nine minutes. Chauvin and three other officers at the scene have now been fired. Uh, let's speak with Dr. Omekongo Dibinga, who is diversity educator and upstander. Afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well, and lovely to have you with us. Uh, here's what I, as a diversity educator, maybe you can shine some light here. I'm thinking anyone who serves as a cop in any police department throughout the U.S. right now has probably been on more diversity courses than you have, because that's part and parcel of modern policing. This kind of stuff is there front and centre of public-facing jobs like the police service. What's gone wrong here, do you sense? Well, what's gone wrong with what you just said, and thanks again for having me, is that what what you actually said is actually not the case. Okay. As, it relates to going, as it relates to going across the country, relating to diversity, sensitivity trainings, what you find in many instances is that these types of trainings occur after an event happens. Uh, sure. And what you also find, and, and the reason why that's also problematic is because many of the officers that we see who are in working in these particularly, you know, inner city or communities where, you know, it's primarily non-white populations, they don't live there. And so they do their work, kind of see the people as, so many people who live in the communities see the police as, a, as an occupying force. And where we have seen departments do the work to build community relations, we've seen instances of arrest go down. We've seen instances of incarceration go down and instances of killings go down. Uh, so that is one of the main problems. But what happened is under the Obama administration, they had several programs created to work to build community relations. And when Trump came in, they scrapped all of them. So the programs for consent decrees, for community policing, all of those got scrapped. So in terms of this particular case, uh, George Floyd held down for nine minutes. There is, at the moment, and we understand there could be a second medical report at the family's request, uh, some controversy about what he died of. It, it apparently was not asphyxiation, but th the manner of his arrest would have been a contributing factor of some sort. Nonetheless, he's been charged with, with murder, so there is clearly something to see here. Uh, the bigger question, uh, in many respects, though, is was it a racist issue? Was this because the cop was white and George was black? Well, what we see primarily is issues of blue versus black because we do have situations where there have been black officers who have been involved in some of these shootings but overwhelmingly they are white officers and when you look at the tensions between the black community and the police if you go back a hundred years you will see that every riot or the majority of riots that have started in this country have started at the hands of some form of police brutality. You can go to 1921, you can go to 1943, mm -hmm. you can go to the, to the 60s, the list goes on and on. And so there is an overlying tension that has always been there as it relates to how the police view us and how we view the police. Many of us see the police as extensions of 
the overseer from the slave plantations. I mean, when black people were allowed to become police officers, they couldn't even arrest white people. They had to call white police officers. So there's a deep entrenched history that people see the police as organizations that were created to protect white people from us as opposed to protect all lives. Uh, what is interesting about that is that there's now, I mean, an, an, an awful lot of evidence that you know many many black officers shoot non-white people. I, I think, in, in many cases, and in many districts around the United States, the majority of uh, police officers who might use their gun lethally or fatally uh, are, are also black. So that, that's that, that's about community the community you live in contact with police i mean what are you making of that then because that wouldn't be that removes the racial component well i don't i don't know that to be true um all of the research that i've done or i've ever read the the majority of these cases are primarily at the hands of white officers and so uh i'd be interested in seeing some of the the research saying otherwise but from okay. all of the studies that we've done the majority of these killings are happening at the hands of, of white officers. And in the few cases where, and we're talking about primarily killings of unarmed individuals, even in Minnesota, you had the case of Officer Moore, who was, I believe, Somalian, um, who shot a white woman and was swiftly prosecuted. And there was another case in, in maybe South Carolina where, you know, two black officers shot into a car and killed a white boy, young white boy, and they were also prosecuted. So even in those rare cases where it happens, the trials are swift. The firings are swift, and the criminal charges tend to always happen. But in the case of many of the white officers, you see cases like Mike Freeman, who's the prosecutor, and the Fraternal Order of Police all lining up to protect these guys at all costs. And that's one of our challenges in this country is that the prosecutors often do so much work with the police that we call for independent prosecutors in these cases so that we can get some form of objectivity. But you, the, the, there's an awful lot of white families out there that will say, what about Daniel Shaver, Tony Timper, Duncan Lemp? These, again, these are all hugely controversial deaths of white people who were killed. One guy was shot while sleeping in his bed. Another guy, Tony Timper, pleaded more than 30 times as officers knelt on his neck. Very similar to the story we're talking about here. Uh, th there wasn't a sense of outrage. The cop went to court. He was prosecuted, but... He was found not guilty. And that seems to be the same regardless of whatever color you are. And that is why I say primarily the issue is blue versus black and blue versus the community in general. But I will say this as well. In several of these cases where white people have been killed by the police, in terms of the protests that have happened, I have seen more black people show up to those protests than white people. And that's what is kind of a weird beauty about this moment right now is that across the country, you're seeing people of all backgrounds in places like Arizona, where they don't even have a lot of black people. And it's a multiracial mix of people demanding justice because a lot of people know that as you, if you don't address the issues that affect the black community, it's just a, ma a matter of time before it spills out into your community, which is demonstrated by some of the examples that you just cited. And so many people are saying right now that we're tired of it. And if, if one person is going to go down, we're all going to go down. If one person is going to be uplifted, we're all going to be uplifted. Just give and us your view, if you would. Overwhelming majority. 
Hmm? Sure, Go ahead, I'm sorry. sure. No, I was going to say, just just give us your view, if you would, on the the protests, because uh, and this, as sure as night follows day, whatever the protest, whatever the racial group, whatever the reason, whenever you get a huge group of people together who are attempting to advance an argument or a cause. Uh, you, you get another bunch of guys show up with a, a whole different set of reasons. So I'm pretty sure that if you are, in this case, George Floyd's family, you're not going to be particularly enamoured with people who are breaking into Yves Saint Laurent, stealing purses and handbags. That isn't the point of it. What's going on here, do you sense, Doctor? These are the, the, the multiple factions, clearly, to the people that are turning up in 17 states at the moment where the National Guard are. Some genuine supporters, some looters, some criminals, some Antifa. What's there a, a kind of pie chart going on here? It's, and, it's, and it's really sad. Someone said I heard the other, the other day that we have more cities under curfew now than during the race riots after King was assassinated. That's how tough it is right now. So, yes, you do have some people who are out there, uh, you know, looting some stores and, and taking purses and the like. You do have elements of, uh, uh, of Antifa out there, but the majority of people who FBI agents and former FBI agents and law enforcement have said who have come out there to sabotage these protests with the violence are members of white supremacist organizations like the Boogaloo Boys. And, you know, there's active traffic of on social media of these guys talking about let's appear at that rally, let's appear at this one, let's burn this down, let's do that. So you have people of multiple air in multiple air arenas taking advantage of this, but the overwhelming majority of people who are out there protesting are protesting peacefully sure. and they're protesting to support the family of George Floyd. And but Trayvon you, you must be, you others. must also be confused and share your dismay uh, at when you see, you know, young black kids wrecking their own community, as some of those black community leaders have said, you know, they're wrecking the very businesses that keep small towns and counties going. And these places are being trashed. They're being robbed. They probably won't recover. What is that all about? What's the thinking behind that? Is that just about greed about, or is there some other rage. social I mean, it, it, explanation about, you're going to give us under that? It's about rage. You know, Dr. Cornell West said that, you know, black rage cannot be destroyed uh, or, or contained. It can only be redirected. And well, that's about greed, surely. If you're, stealing, if you're stealing sneakers, as you would call them, and, and expensive goods and Apple iPads and whatever else, that's greed, isn't it? That's not, that's not a philosophical rage against injustice. Philosophical rage against injustice is I'm going to do whatever it takes to go against a system that has betrayed me. But the bigger issue Rob is an Apple store. people who are out there. I would say the biggest is the bigger issue are, you know, people who are out there who are racist, who are out there who want to start a race war. Stealing a purse is not an act of violence, though it's wrong. Getting out there and burning down buildings, shooting at cops, and trying to erupt a race war, which is what we see in some of these white supremacists who are taking over these, who are coming in late at night to some of these protests, which happened right here in D.C. where I live. That's a bigger issue that people... So, for example, even if President Trump did want to call Antifa a terrorist organization... You would also think that in that same tweet, he would say, I'm going to label the Boogaloo Boys a terrorist organization, the Proud Boys a terrorist organization, right? The FBI said that more people died at the hands of white domestic terrorists in 2019 or 2018 than, than al-Qaeda and all of these other groups out there. But this White House won't call them a terrorist threat. There's a serious hypocrisy there. All right, on that point, Doctor, thank you. Dr. Omekongo Dibinga, who is a diversity educator 
and an upstander. You know what an upstander is? An upstander is somebody who recognises when something is wrong and acts to make it right, opposite to a bystander, if you like. That guy's an upstander. I also thought that part of what he said was twaddle. I'm, get I'm getting the business about anger. I'm just not buying the idea that all those people that are looting shops and the like. And some of this, you know, a friend of mine was telling me some of this is done on an industrial scale. You know, the vans pitch up and in they go. These guys know, wow, there's a riot in town. Let's get down there, smash up Yves Saint Laurent, get in there to Ralph Lauren, all the big designer stores. Let's have some Tiffany's. Let's do the whole thing. Smash the place up, fill the place up. Great opportunity. Those people aren't there because of the memory of George Floyd. You can't say, I'm angry at stuff. I'm angry about issues. When I was growing up, I was angry about stuff. I look back at things that, you know, my dad had to endure. That because of, you know, growing up in the 50s and all the rest of it, that he had to experience. That would have, that angers me. He didn't think of tearing up the place and doing a smash and grab in Woolworths. Bought some pick and mix home, son. Oh, lovely. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Yeah, do respond to the good doctor if you would like to comment on what he said. You're listening to Ian Collins on Talk Radio. It's twenty past three. Talk Radio. Motor wheels right. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>